Well, good morning, everyone. Just taking some new tallies. Uh, a few weeks ago, we gave the challenge to get in the game. And with that, we invited you for the month of September to give a specialty coffee to your neighbor or coworker, uh, or to bake some cookies or a pie for your neighbor. And so far, we've got five coffees have been delivered and nine pies and cookies. So I just want to be neighbors with these people because that's a lot of pies and cookies. So, hey, keep up the good work. Uh, we're getting good response. We've got a nice boat. We've got one more week for this challenge in terms of getting, getting in the game. And then uh, for October, we'll have a new opportunity presented next week. So stay tuned for that. So there's new slips. Uh, They're still on the Connect Center. You can pick those up for your tally. And we'll keep track and keep you posted on what's going on and how we're doing. Well, if you take your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 26 today for our reading. We have 33 verses of sheer excitement and awesomeness that we're going to dive into, that I don't want you to miss any of it. Uh, There's quite a bit for us to discuss, but let's look at verse 1 of 26 as we start to see the transition between the life of Isaac into the life of Jacob. In verse 1 of 26, here's what we read. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. And when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, well, because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this you've done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. 
So he called the name of the well Isek because they contended with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. And from there he went up to Vier Shiva and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And when Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Uhuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of the army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do, no, do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. And in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we found water. He called it Shiva. Therefore, the name of the city is Vier Shiva to this day. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, I'm a lot like my dad. Just have a look. You see, I got the same hairdo there. Uh, my dad loves mechanical things, and so do I. My dad loves his kids, and so do I. My dad loves his wife, and so do I. My dad loves ice cream and candy, and so do I. My dad loves Jesus, too, and so do I. I've watched my dad my whole life to see how he would handle his life, including the joys and the trials that come with it. In his late 50s, my dad ended up having some vision problems, and as an engineer in his office, trying to figure out what was going on, he actually took some graph paper out because he's an engineer and started graphing what he could see and what he couldn't see. He thought, maybe I should go see a doctor with this. And he took his graph paper and took it to the doctor, showed it to him. The doctor says, you know, you need to go to the hospital like right now. And of course, my dad was diagnosed with a golf ball-sized benign tumor that was attached to his pituitary gland right in the middle of his head. I guess it was kind of a hole-in-one. And as he prepared for surgery, my dad said, you know, it's at a time like this, when they're going to go drilling in the middle of your head to get something out of it, that you find out whether or not your faith is real. Sometimes it is hard to understand what God is doing in our lives or where he is leading in the midst of our circumstances. Life is often filled with uncertainties and ambiguities. And many of us would rather find ways to get out from under what is unknown and move to a place of certainty and security. But perhaps we would do well to find ways of resting in our uncertainties and even embracing our ambiguities. We don't know. We don't always know which way we should go or how we should respond to our circumstances, but God will always direct our paths. 
As we walk with him in integrity, peace, submission, and love. As we depend on him, we can find the stability and the security we are all longing for in our lives. In our message series, we've gone back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis. Today, we're focusing on like father, like son here in chapter 26. Here we see in Genesis 26, we turn one last time to look at the life of Isaac before we move to studying the life of Jacob. A few weeks ago, we found a wife for Isaac, and two weeks ago or so, we found that she gave birth to twins, and with the advent of the twins, we were faced with a new dilemma, which child would be the child of promise, and on what basis would that child be the child of promise? We saw the ongoing unfolding of the seed line of the promised redeemer that is to come from the seed of a woman that was promised in Genesis 3.15, this one who would come, who would conquer sin and death once and for all. We also saw that our ways are just not always God's ways. Again, we often think we know how things should go, but God comes along and has a totally different plan. Like father, like son, over and over again, Isaac's life unfolds just as Abraham's did. This morning, as we wrap up the major events of Isaac's life, we will see five spiritual truths about how we can walk with God in a better way. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible opportunity that we have to hear from you. Lord, help us to turn aside from all the distractions from the week, even the distractions in the room, that we might focus on you and what you have to say. Lord, help us not to miss anything. So Lord, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to receive your truth today. Lord, we want to hear from you, not from this speaker. We want to hear from you more than anything else. And Lord, open your word to us by the power of your spirit. Speak to our hearts. Change us. Shape us for your purposes. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's your first truth out of five. The first one is this. God is the one who directs our paths. He is. He's directing our paths. He's directing your path even right now. He's the one who directs our paths. He often uses the circumstances we experience in life to direct us. Notice what it says. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the former famine, there was a famine back in Abraham's day. That was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Just as Abraham experienced, there is another famine in the land. We saw this with Abraham twice, and now we see it with Isaac. And I just happen to have a beautiful map up there for you. We're kind of at the bottom of the map. Isaac had settled near Be'er Lachai Roy, the well of the living one who sees me, where his sons Jacob and Esau were born. But a famine drives him north to Gerar. But when he became wealthy, his jealous neighbors asked him to leave. So he moves eastward. From Gerar, he ends up going towards Beersheba. So with that, God often uses our circumstances to redirect us. If there's a famine in the land, you might need to go somewhere else, as is the case here. If you lose your job or get demoted, you may need to find another opportunity. If you get the promotion, you might be called to serve somewhere else. If there's a death of a loved one in your family, God may lead you to consider other options of provisions in your life. Or in my case, with my wife, if there's a pandemic, you might need to move home to be closer to your family. 
It's also possible that God might want you to stay right where you are and endure a difficult situation. That's possible too. As God directs our paths, he often uses our circumstances to redirect us. But secondly, he will also make it very clear where we should go. Notice what it says in verse two. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. God says, I'm not gonna play a shell game with you in terms of, you know, find the peanut. No, I want, I'm gonna tell you exactly where you need to go. I'm gonna show it to you. So just like it was for Abraham, God made it very clear for, for Isaac as well. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. And Abraham went to Egypt, but Isaac is called to stay close to home. What about you? Are you listening to him? Are you in his word seeking his voice? Are you seeking God through prayer, asking godly advisors for your situation? Ask him for clear direction. He'll give it to you. When? He will in his time. He will make things very clear. That's who he is. That's what he does. And in the process, he may ask you to step out in faith. Question there is, will you trust him in that? Again, as he directs our paths, he will make it clear where we should go. But thirdly here, he will also bless us as we trust in him. And now we see this reiteration of these promises that God had promised Abraham, now given to Isaac. He will bless us as we trust in him. First of all, here by blessing us with his very presence. Notice what God says in verse three. Sojourn in this land, that is stay there, and I'll be with you and will bless you. What a beautiful and comforting promise. God's presence always with us. Scripture tells us he'll never leave us or forsake us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, we're told. He will bless us as we trust him by blessing us with his presence, by blessing us with a place. Oh man, it is so good to have a place. Those who are in rebellion throughout Scripture are consigned to wandering. You, you want a place with God, and he wants to bless you with a place. Notice what God says further in verse three. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands, all these lands, it's all yours, a place for you and your children. No matter what you're going through, God does have a place for you. Incredible, comforting truth. But thirdly here, by blessing us with his promises, notice what he says as verse three concludes. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. In other words, the same oath he got, I'm going to give it to you. He establishes this oath. And we go, well, what oath? The oath of the covenant from Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 that God had made with Abraham. For us, the ultimate covenant now, for us, we who are in Christ, the ultimate covenant we can have with God is by way of the cross, by way of the cross of Jesus Christ, by way of the new covenant that's found in his blood, as Jeremiah foretold it. Won't be on the screen, but listen close. The days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. By the way, this is what God has always wanted. This is, this is exactly what he's always wanted ever, that he gets to be God and we get to be his people. I will be their God, they shall be my people. That theme, that phrase, 
That understanding is all throughout Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. What a beautiful truth by way of the new covenant that's found in Christ. Jesus proclaimed this new covenant to disciples at the Last Supper when he said, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Beloved, God is so interested in blessing us as we trust in him, blessing us with his presence, blessing us with a place, blessing us with his promises, but fourthly, hereby making us a blessing to others. Think about that. God not only wants to take care of you, but he wants to use you to take care of others and to care for others. Notice what it says in verse four. God says, I will multiply your offspring, Isaac, as the stars of heaven, and will give your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. This is precisely the same thing God had said to Abraham. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. This is exactly what I, I promised Abraham, and now I promise you. I'm going to use you to bless all the nations. Galatians 3.6 puts it this way as this is now reflected for us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes, Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. You see, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you too are now a descendant of Abraham, Scripture says. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. All the nations are to be blessed by those who are following Christ. How are you doing with that? Are you a blessing to others in your world? So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul goes on to say in Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. How? Through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, watch, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is exactly what God is saying in terms of his promises in terms of our being a blessing to others. He said it to Abraham, now he says it to Isaac. And Isaac was blessed just as Abraham was. And once again, notice this threefold promise for Isaac. Children, offspring, land, blessing. Beloved, he will bless us as we trust in him. God is the one who directs our paths. The question is, are we listening? Are we following? Are we after what he's after? But secondly here this morning, not only is he the one who directs our paths, but he directs our paths, secondly, so that we would walk in integrity. How are you doing with your integrity? Are you walking in integrity? First of all, here, our children are shaped by our, by our level of integrity. Don't expect your kids to be honest and full of integrity if you're not. Our children are shaped by your level of integrity. Look what happens here. So Isaac settled in Gerar, verse 7. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister. Liar, liar, liar. 
For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. Abraham, Isaac's father, also stayed in Gerar for a time. Same place, same circumstance. And Abraham, Isaac's father, also told the same lie about his wife, Sarah. First to Pharaoh in chapter 12, and then to Abimelech here in chapter 20. Like father, like son. You lie to your boss, your kid's probably going to lie to the boss. You lie to your wife, your kid's going to lie to their spouse. You lie to God, what's your kid going to do? Notice that Isaac's lie is not a half-truth as it was for Abraham. Watch this, don't miss this. Abraham had actually said a half-truth. Here Isaac says an outright lie. There's not any part of it that's true. Generationally, sin can become worse in the next generation. Inconsistency with a father can lead to outright rebellion in a son. This isn't always the case, but it certainly can be. And by the way, I've seen it the other way around as well. By God's grace, a son's walk with God can overcome his own father's rebellion if the father's paying attention. Beloved, our children and our children's children are shaped by our level of integrity. Are you honest? Are you honest to a fault? Are you transparent or are you hiding things? How are you living? Your children are shaped by your level of integrity. But secondly here, our lack of integrity will eventually be exposed. If you're a liar person, it's going to be exposed. You're going to get busted. That's what Scripture says. Verse 8, when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. Oh, dear. Laughing. Again, this is a potential Hebrew euphemism for affectionate embracing. We're not fully sure here. But it's really a play on words. If you understand Isaac's name, Yitzhak, Isaac, really means laughter. So here we have Mr. Laughter is seen laughing with his wife. Now Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. You might think, well, I'm pretty good. I got it covered. Man, I've seen, I've seen people blow themselves up thinking they've got it all figured out. And then there's one little factoid that gets out and just destroys the whole deal for them. Oh, don't be so foolish to think that you can get away. Don't be so foolish to think you can pull the wool over God's eyes. No way. He sees it all. He knows it all. He's going to deal with you. He loves you too much to let you be that way. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden. Maybe you got stuff you're hiding right now, and maybe you're getting away with it right now, but there's coming a day when it will be brought to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God. You may think you'll get away with it, but know for certain your sin will find you out. It's never a good time to be caught in a lie. But thirdly here, deceitfulness has incredible destructive potential. Notice Abimelech's response Verse 9, so Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she's your wife, man. How then could you say she's my sister? And Isaac said to him, Well, because I thought lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you've done to us? Notice what he's saying. You've done something to us. One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. 
So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now note again, just like with Abraham previously, it's the pagan king, Abimelech, who seems to have a higher moral standard of integrity than Isaac. Notice also how Abimelech points out the possible dangers and ramifications of Isaac's dishonesty. Beloved, we basically have the same problem that Isaac has. We underestimate the destructive power and influence of sin. We underestimate the utter sinfulness of sin along with its destructive power. If we only knew the swath of destruction our sin was causing, we would do everything possible to stop it. Jesus puts it this way, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. And you're like, whoa. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your body, your whole body going to hell. He says the same thing about your eyes. Maybe you should rip one of your eyeballs out. Now, is, is Jesus saying all of you should go cut one of your hands off and poke your eye out? Is he saying that? No, this is hyperbole. It's over-the-top language to get your attention. In other words, you don't understand how, how bad sin is. Because if you did, you'd want to cut your own arm off. You'd want to cut your hand off. You'd want to poke your eye out. That's how bad it is. Sin is it's really, really bad. Do we understand that? Well, it's not that big a deal. No, no, it's not good. B-A-D, bad. Run for your life from it. Understand the destructive nature and power of sin to such a degree that Jesus is actually recommending radical amputation, right? To overcome sin and rebellion. You know, years ago, I had two young guys who were wrestling with pornography. They actually gave me their computers because they knew they couldn't deal with it anymore. Well, it was great for me. I got two new computers out of the deal. But, you know, what a sad thing. What a sad statement that they were overcome. But I appreciated their heart that they were willing to go, you know, I, if I don't want to sin anymore, and the, the thing that's leading me down this is this internet. I, I, don't want, I don't want the computer anymore. Maybe there's something in your world that's just got to go. Cut it off. Get rid of it. Jesus says in John 8, 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Are you hearing that? If you're practicing it, if you just keep going on along with it, the sin owns you. You're a slave to it. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. By the way, this is the whole point of the gospel. The whole point of the gospel to have the forgiveness and the redemption that Christ affords is to finally put you in a place where you don't have to be in rebellion anymore. You don't have to sin anymore. Oh, turn away from it all and turn to righteousness and then watch God do awesome things. Beloved, I've seen people destroy themselves. I've watched them destroy their families. I remember one couple I worked with. I worked with them for months. I dare say a couple of years I dealt with them. But he was so much in rebellion. He had a porn, he was a porn addict. And not only that turns out, not only was he lying about that with his wife, but he was lying about everything. He was, everything was fraud to such a degree that even when he was finally saying, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, it's too late. Didn't matter anymore. Because your whole life's a fraud. This guy at one point in church, he's up there leading worship and he's a fraud. He destroyed his marriage through his own deceit. Another dear friend of mine who's now with the Lord, he put it this way. 
who's a, a farmer, he's a, a grain farmer in southern Michigan down by Coldwater. His name's Elwin. Elwin, Elwin he understood things. Old Dutch farmer, this is what he said. You know, if you lie, you'll cheat. And if you'll cheat, you'll steal. And if you'll steal, you're liable to do anything. That's not too far off the measure. Beloved, God is the one who directs our paths. And he does it in such a way as to help us to walk in integrity. Our children are shaped by our level of integrity. Our lack of integrity will eventually be exposed. Deceitfulness has incredible destructive potential. Are you hearing this? But thirdly this morning, and this is going to go pretty fast now, so keep your hat on. Thirdly, so God is the one who directs our paths so that thirdly we would walk in peace. Oh man, we're all longing to find peace. First of all here, even when we are envied by others, notice this conflict that Isaac's going to have with all the neighbors that are looking in, especially Abimelech and his men. Verse 12, and Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Maybe as you live your life, God's going to bless you in remarkable ways. There's going to be people who envy you. God continues to bless Isaac even in the midst of his, of his rebellion. And by the way, hasn't God yet blessed you in the midst of your ongoing rebellion? He's blessed me. Perhaps it's time we get some things right before God once and for all, putting away petty rebellions, little strongholds that the evil one still has in our lives. Put it away once and for all. But here in our text, we see God's ongoing blessing and Isaac's neighbors becoming envious and jealous, envious of God's blessing of Isaac. Of course, you've never looked at people that way, have you? No. Seems like people are getting away with murder, right? Why has God blessed them? Aren't I just as spiritual? Aren't I even more spiritual? And those who are envious toward you or lash out at you, will you do the same? Or will you choose to live at peace with them? Beloved, we need to walk in peace even when we are envied by others. Even, secondly, when we are sabotaged. Verse 15, there are people in our world who want to sabotage us. They want to trip us up, give us great difficulty. You notice what it says in verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. Oh, that's kind of inconvenient. Some people will outright undermine you. They'll submarine you. They will try to sabotage your success. That's happened to me many times over. What should you do with people like that? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. <clears throat> but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Really? And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. What's Jesus' point with all that? Turn the other cheek. Yeah, right. I don't know. What's he saying? What's he saying? There's no place for those who are following me, Jesus is saying. There's no place for retaliation. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And by the way, he's way better at it. He, he can handle that. He's God. He can totally deal with it. Way better than we can. 
even when we're sabotaged. Or thirdly, even when we are dismissed or disdained. Here in verse 16, Abimelech says to Isaac, go away from us, get out of here, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Again, here's a potential for loss of fellowship and further hardship. But Paul says to us, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, as I just said, vengeance is mine, I will repay says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Beloved, watch this. Verse 21 of this passage. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, we have this idea that if somebody's doing something horrible to me, I need to do something horrible back at him. That'll show him. God says, no, do the opposite. Do something awesome. Beloved, we need to walk in peace, even when we are dismissed or disdained. Or fourthly here, even when faced with ongoing opposition. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham and his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water's ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac, which means contention, because they contended with them. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna. And just as Abraham and Lot's herdsmen had quarreled, now Isaacs are in conflict with the Philistines, like father, like son. Beloved, we need to walk in peace no matter how people are treating us. Well, how long do I have to work at that? Fifthly here, until God grants us peace. Well, that might take a while, right. And so it might take some more moving. Verse 22, and he moved from there and dug another well. I'll just keep digging, man. Did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us. It's a broad area. There's room. We shall be fruitful in the land. Oh, beloved, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In this case, the only way to solve the problem is to remove myself from it. I'm going to go somewhere else to find peace. Beloved, we need to walk in peace. God is the one who directs our paths even as we walk in peace. So that fourthly, so that we would walk in submission. Now when I even say this, we don't like this idea. I don't wanna walk in submission. I wanna dominate, I wanna win. I wanna call the shots. And God says, no, submission is the rule. We have this idea that, you know, the nice guy never wins, and that's not true. God says the nice guy does win, in fact. So that we would walk in submission. First of all, as he reveals himself to us, watch what happens here. It's in the midst of his having to keep digging wills and wells and moving around. You know, we see God revealing himself to him. Verse 23, from here he went up to Beersheba. If you recall, Abraham had to keep moving around too. And he had to move around until he dug the seventh well. That's what Be'er Shiva means. Be'er, well, Shiva, seven. Well number seven. Seven for the Jew, that's the number of fulfillment. And so he ends up right back where Abraham was. And what happens through that journey, through all that he goes through with all of this? And the Lord appeared to him the same night. This is what we want. We want God to show up in amazing ways. God's sightings in your life as he protects us as he leads us, as he guides us. But secondly here, as he comforts us with his presence, notice what God says. 
I'm the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not. Don't be afraid of these guys. Don't be afraid of these circumstances. I got you, for I'm with you. We started this with Psalm 23 in our service today from Jeff. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lead me, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why don't, why don't I have to fear anymore? For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You even prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You can't get away from his goodness, his mercy, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's your shepherd now. You're going to be with him in eternity. You don't have to be afraid. He's with you right now. Count on that. So we can walk in submission as he reveals himself to us, as he comforts us with his presence. Thirdly, as he blesses us, he goes on. God says to Isaac, I will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. But not only that, not only will he bless us, fourthly, as we continue to call upon the name of the Lord, and now we see the response from Isaac. So what's, what's the proper response here? Worship. Notice what he does. He builds an altar there and he calls upon the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent here. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. You think after all he went through, man, I keep having to go places and dig more wells. You think he'd be all bitter and Mr. Angry Guy. No. No, God has led me here and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust you even though I've gone through a hard time. We need to continue to call upon the name of the Lord. You see, our submission to God is demonstrated ultimately through our worship, through our prayer, through our devotion to God. Notice his eager anticipation. He builds the altar as soon as he could so that he would walk in submission. Beloved, he's the one who directs our paths as we walk in submission, and lastly here, as we walk in love. Watch closely here. As we walk in love, even when we're suspicious, sometimes we're a little suspicious about others and what they're doing. Isaac's no different. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Uhuzath, his advisor, and Fulkol, the commander of the army, Isaac said to him, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? In other words, what are you guys showing up here to see? I'm way out here. I had to dig this well way over here, and you come all this way to talk to me? What's, what, what are you doing here? You're kind of bugging me. Again, it's, sometimes it's hard to read other intentions. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not smart enough to figure it all out. I don't, I don't know what other games people play. I'm not smart enough to play games, to keep track of all the games. Pretty much whatever you see is what you get. I'm, I'm pretty boring, but man, I'm at peace. So I continue to entrust myself to Christ, and he's always protected me and upheld me by his sheer grace, even when we're suspicious. Or secondly here, even when others make questionable requests. Notice the request in verse 28. They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now blessed of the Lord. 
And you can imagine Isaac wondering, well, first you chased me away, so I have to be way out here, and now you want to have a whole harmless agreement? You know, what's going on here? This sounds pretty fishy. But we need to walk in love even when we're suspicious, even when others make questionable requests. Well, how do we do that? Fourthly here, or sorry, thirdly here, by graciously serving others. This is remarkable. In the midst of all of his difficulty with these people, notice what he does in verse 30. So he made them a feast. What? Yeah, there's your heaping cold right there. He makes them dinner and they ate and drank. You guys, this is outrageous. This is amazing. Matthew 5, 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, Jesus says. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Oh, beloved, that we would walk in love by graciously serving others. And lastly here, by keeping our word. In the morning, they rose early and exchanged oaths and Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. And he called it Shiva. Ah, seven. Therefore, the name of the city is Be'er Shiva to this day, right back where Abraham was. Well seven, the well of completion for Abraham and now for Isaac, like father, like son. How are you doing with your submission, with your love, with your integrity? How are you doing? I don't know about you, but I've got work to do. Years ago, a difficult circumstance where I was dealing with a neighbor of mine in my business I was running. And uh, ran a small little accounting office next to me. I, I won't name the name of the accounting office, even though it's a national tax agency. You know who I'm talking about, probably. And uh, again, 20 plus, about 30 years ago, I had an agreement with this gal. The, the agreement was simply this. Um, she was only in the, her office uh, part of the year, right? So and I'm, as a state farm agent, I'm in there all the time. And uh, she happened to have a copier in her office. I didn't own a copier. I just started my business. And, but we made an arrangement that, uh, well, uh, maybe I could use your copier and I'll... I'll uh, Make sure that your sidewalk is cleared off in the wintertime. She was an older gal, and, and maybe this would be helpful for you. I'll just I'll be sure and shovel your, your walkway out in front of your office, and uh, I get to use a copier, and it's all good. So we do that. And then one year I thought, boy, you know, we've got this good relationship going. Maybe she should do my taxes, so I'm going to let her do my taxes. She does my taxes, and you know what? Um, they get messed up. She messes up my taxes. They even have a sign on their window saying that they'll take care of it. If they mess up the taxes, they'll represent it. I go in, hey, my taxes are messed up. They weren't done. They weren't completed correctly. Can you help me with this? She goes, no, I can't help you with that. I'm going, yeah, but your sign says that you want to help me with that if you make a mistake. And then you made a mistake. And so, you know, I'm getting audited and I got these big bills. I got to pay. Uh, you know, hey, won't you help? Well, no, I can't help with that. Well, well, who can I talk to? Is there somebody I can call, somebody I can talk to, get some help? No, no, sorry. Uh, uh-uh. So I actually find my own number, and I call corporate, this company, and say, hey, excuse me, your sign in the window says this. You guys, I gave my taxes for this gal to do. She did them wrong, and now I'm getting drilled by the IRS for it. And, you know, I'd like some compensation here. You know, could you guys help me out with that? 
No, we don't do that. I mean, well, what's with the signs? You know, why are you telling people you do this when you don't do this? So I'm a little annoyed. I don't know, you ever been annoyed? I was. And so she's not going to come through for me. So what am I going to do? I've, I've got a real problem now. Because, you know, if I go over there and use the copier, that's going to be awkward because there she is. There's that gal who won't help me. And in my view, there's a liar <laughs> representing a company of lies, right? And so it's just going to be awkward. So I'm, not, so I have to, I'm going to go buy my own copier. So I have to buy my own copier. Ah. So now I, gotta, now I own a copier. Great. I'm not going over there anymore because this is too awkward, right? I don't know what to do. But then the first snow came. By God's grace, one of those times in life when you get it right, by God's grace, I went out and I shoveled that walk and I cleared it off and got as clear as I possibly could and I, and I did for the remaining years I was in business. Never missed the snow. Never talked about it, never threw it in her face. I kept my promise. Regardless of how I was being treated. Again, like I said, in my flesh, I'd, I had other ideas, other thoughts. But how are you doing with your love, your submission, with your integrity, with your devotion? As I mentioned, my dad and I, we look alike. More than anything, I'm thankful for my dad's faithfulness to God and to his family. I've learned a lot about how to live my life for my dad. But even with how awesome my dad is, ultimately, we all need to learn more from Jesus on how we need to live our lives. Beloved, God will always direct our paths as we walk with him in integrity, in peace, in submission, and love. As we depend on him, we can find this, the stability and the security that we're all longing for in our lives. And I ask you as we close this morning, how is your walk with God? Are you walking with him right now? Are you walking in integrity? Are you walking in peace in your relationships? Are you walking in submission? Are you walking in love? Would you please stand as we conclude our service today. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are all that we need. We don't have to vindicate ourselves or justify ourselves. Sometimes we just need to keep digging wells. We just need to keep being faithful, keep trusting you, doing what's right and what's good, seeking peace, seeking integrity, seeking submission and seeking love. Lord, we know that in of ourselves, we are so far away from those ideals, those ideas. In our flesh, Lord, we don't want to love or submit. We wrestle with our integrity. We wrestle with peace. But Lord, we cry out to you knowing that you've made promises to us, ultimately through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that with him, in us, through faith, 
we can actually love people even when they're ridiculous or scary and not easily, easily trusted. We can still be, have a submitted heart to what's good and what's right. We can still pursue peace. We can still walk in integrity as you so faithfully guide us along the path. Lord, we recognize that we need your help to do this. We need your strength. We need your endurance to do this. And Lord, there are some here this morning I know personally who are carrying huge boulders with them that they need to just set down and lay at your feet that they might trust you with these things. Lord, we all need to do that. So Lord, help us. Help us to throw off our burdens and to put on Christ to walk with him. In so doing, we will walk with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the preciousness of your word as it speaks to our hearts. Help us to not just hear these things, Lord, but to to walk in them in real ways. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the power of your word. We want to give you all the praise today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic week.